I believe that the Lord wants His church to be encouraged today. And so if you came to this place today needing encouragement, I believe you're in the right place. Amen? And I believe that uh, the Lord wants to remind us of who He is and that He's bigger than anything happening in our world or in uh, our nation or at your job or in your marriage or in your relationships, whatever the case may be, God is bigger. Amen? And he's still on the throne, and he hasn't fallen asleep or forgotten about you, no matter what may be going on. And I know that a lot of you have probably been dealing with some anxiety or some anger or some frustration, and uh, it, it can be with a, a ton of things. I mean, you just turn on the TV, and um, all of a sudden you see some things that we've just never seen before in our nation's history. We saw last week that protesters breaking in, overrunning government buildings, and we saw uh, the rest of the world watching, and we were watching as people are just full of anger and making demands, and, and um, we see all of the, the, the different ideas and the different um, thoughts around all of those things, and you may have certain feelings and certain thoughts around it, and man, sometimes you, you just don't know what to do, and you want to control outcomes, but let me tell you something. How we respond to things in this world that don't go our way matters a lot. Let me say that again, just in case you weren't paying attention. How we respond to things happening in our world that we have no control over, it matters a lot, especially for the Christian. It matters so much because we are called to be set apart. We are called to be different because our hope is on something greater than America. Our hope is set on something greater than our job. Our hope is set on something greater than our retirement. Our hope is set on something greater than who is or is not in the White House. Amen? Amen. Our hope is set on something greater. It has to be because if my hope is only fixed on things I can control, my hope is going to be all over the place because I can control very little. And when things happen beyond my control, how do I react? Well, this world has a pattern and has a way of reacting, and primarily the world wants to react out of emotions to try to some sort, somehow regain a sense of control, regain a sense of stability. But the Christ follower is called to be set apart. We're still living in the world. We're still de dealing with the same things everybody else is dealing with. It still affects us. We still feel feelings. We still get emotional about it, and that's not bad, but what we do do next matters. Go to 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 5, and we're going to read through chapter 2, verse 6 in this opening section of our reading today. 1 John, not John chapter 1, just to clarify, if you brought your Bible, go to Revelation and then back up, all right? Because it's a hard one to find, uh, maybe if you're not familiar with it. So don't feel bad about that. Go back to Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, and just back up a couple of books and you will see uh, you getting into the John 3, John 2, John 1. All right, so we're going to go to 1 John chapter 1. Let's read what John wrote, and this is a letter to the church, and so we can read this knowing he is writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to the church, and this is what he said, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Chapter 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Man, as John's writing this letter, he's communicating, and I believe the Holy Spirit is communicating to us, the church today, that our hope is in the light of Christ alone. That's where our hope comes from. It is in the light of Christ alone. So as I'm walking in the light, as he is in the light, here's what happens. I have a different perspective than those who are walking in darkness. Those who walk in darkness, they are living their life according to whatever they think is best, whatever they value, whatever they want, and they are living according to this path that they are on based on the fact that they're just not illuminated. They're not living in the light of the truth. But those of us who are Christian, those of us who have put our faith and our hope and trust in Christ alone as hope for our salvation, have been made new, have been made alive, and we are called to be set apart to walk in the light. That means I have a different perspective. I have a different set of values. So the same things are going to affect both groups, those in the light and those in the darkness. How we respond must be different if we are children of the light. It must be different. So it's the same idea of the perspective that a parent has versus the perspective a child has. A child thinks it is good for them to stay up all night to watch as much TV as they want, eat as much junk food as they want, and they can just do whatever they want to do. The parent knows that's not good for them. That may sound fun to them, but it's going to lead to a crabby kid the next day, laziness, maybe sickness if they eat too much and they got a bellyache and then the parents got to deal with it, right? You've been there before? Yeah, we have been there as parents before. And it's the same idea maybe you had perhaps as a teenager thinking, when I become an adult, man, I can't wait. I'm going to get out there and do whatever I want to do. No one's going to tell me anything. I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to do what I want to do, stay up all night, and it's going to be awesome. And we have this idea, and we call it freedom, and we call it fun. And maybe it is fun for a season, because the Bible even says that there's a way that seems right to a man. And there is this thing that we enjoy in the darkness for a season, but it's actually destructive to us. Because you wake up the next day and you feel bad. You have some regrets, maybe. But as you grow up and as you mature, you have a different perspective. 
You see things differently. You're, you're, you're now illuminated to ideas and values you didn't have before because you've learned it's actually better for me to go to bed earlier. It's actually better for me to not eat all of that. It's actually better for me to get some physical exercise. It's actually better for me if I wake up at this time and get in this rhythm, you learn that. You have perspective. Everyone else will go, oh, you old fuddy-duddy, you're going to bed at 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock or whatever the case may be. And everyone else will complain about that, but you know it's better for you as to where you used to, you couldn't wait to be able to stay up and do whatever you wanted. You have a different perspective. You're walking in a new sense of revelation of what truly is best when you are in Christ you are illuminated to a different perspective than what you had before. It is one that is going to please God, one that's going to honor God, and it's walking in the light as He is in the light because He is the light. And as we're walking in the light of God, we are valuing things differently than other people. But the people who are in the darkness don't always understand people in the light. They get frustrated because people in the light, they react differently than everyone else is reacting, and everyone else is over here going, aren't you upset about that? You're like, yeah, I'm just choosing to react differently. Yeah, I'm upset about this. Yeah, I feel this. Yeah, this isn't fair. Yeah, this isn't right. I'm choosing to act and and, and carry myself differently because I've got a different perspective. And and you try to explain it to them, and and, and folks, let me tell you, if they're not in the light, they're probably not going to understand. If they respect you and they value the relationship with you, they may, you know, just agree to disagree and, you know, whatever, but they're not going to understand because when you're in the light and you're living for a different set of values, your hope is set on something different. You see, your hope is not set on the economy and how well we do in the next quarter. Your hope is not set on how uh, things are going to turn out at work with the shakeup that's going on. Your hope is not set in who is sitting in the White House. Your hope is not set on what other world governments are doing. Those things affect you. You feel it. You have an opinion, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But your hope is not wrapped up in it to the point to where you feel devastated and you're reacting like people in the darkness. You're reacting like people in the light. You're going, yeah, I'm upset about it, but here's how I choose to live. Yeah, this isn't right, and here's how I choose to live. Because I'm living for something different. My hope is set somewhere else. I'm not just going along with what everyone else does because my hope is somewhere else. Here, John says, Jesus is our advocate with the Father. Listen to this. This is the source of your hope. Jesus is our advocate. That means our go-between. He's going to God on behalf of you, and he has said, I have paid the price to satisfy your wrath to make sure you are just and you are holy by taking their punishment that they deserve so that if they trust in me, then they can have new life and they can have access to God. That's what being an advocate means. And he uses another word here in chapter 2. He says Jesus was the propitiation for our sins. And that's a word that I get nervous even saying in a sermon, let alone expecting everyone who hears it to understand. Some of you who had a really good Sunday school teacher, if you grew up in church, you may know what that means. Or some of you who may have gone to seminary, or some of you who are just really deep studiers, you may have looked that word up, or you have a really good commentary. Other than that, you're like, yeah, he said that word, that sounded funny, maybe he pronounced it right, maybe he didn't. I'm pretty sure I did. But here's what propitiation means. It's the same idea from a secular sense of a false deity 
that you may have read about in a history book or other cultures where a culture is trying to satisfy the anger that they've aroused against a God figure. So if you have ever seen like a, a movie, perhaps like an old Indiana Jones movie, you know, where someone has aroused the anger of the gods. The, the gods are angry because someone did something or they didn't do something enough and now there's a plague in the camp or you know people are dying from this mysterious disease, oh, the gods are punishing us. Well, someone has to go and make propitiation for this. In other words, we need to offer a sacrifice that's then going to turn back into favor for us as a people because the gods are angry, right? And so the Bible says Jesus has been made the propitiation for our sins. So in other words, he became that that we could not become so he could do what we could not do by absorbing the wrath of God that was due to us because of our sin and turning, turning it into adoption and favor and love and embrace and welcome. That, my friends, is the message of the gospel because it's by grace you have been saved. It's not of your own works. It's not something you can boast about. It's, it's through the grace of God by faith. And even the faith that you have to believe is still a gift from God. So you can't still credit your own faith. You're still saying, God, it's all you. You're that big. You're that awesome. You're that holy. You even gave me the faith to be able to believe. And my hope is in that. That's where I am anchored. So that means that the world's going to go to the left and to the right, and the storms are going to come, and things are going to happen that are beyond your control. And you can spend all of your time and effort worrying about it, being afraid, being fearful, trying to regrasp control, or you can rest in the hope that you have in the light of Christ. It is Jesus who has paid the penalty. It is Jesus who has positioned me as a son or a daughter of God to live with peace in the middle of the storm because my hope's not set on the way this world goes. My hope is not set on the way that things may move to the right or to the left in, in my mind or the way that things may shift. It's not based upon whether I get my way. And that's hard for people, especially when they pray for certain outcomes. That's tough. Let's just talk about that for a minute because that's a hard one, isn't it? You ever prayed for something and it didn't happen? Yeah, I have. I, I prayed for things that didn't go the way I wanted them to. What do I do in those instances? Does God all of a sudden start becoming bad? Do I all of a sudden start going, well, God doesn't care. I must not have done it right. Let me go re-examine the formula to make sure I got the formula right as if there were a formula. Is there some pragmatic piece that I missed? Or is there something else to it? it? Maybe I don't know what good is. Maybe I'm not seeing from the perspective of God who knows the end from the beginning. And maybe my job is just to simply trust, to keep asking, to keep trusting, to keep believing, yes, but when things don't go my way, still be able to rest and go, God, you're still good, you're still my hope, you're still my anchor, you're still my rock. Not, oh, God didn't do what I wanted to do when I wanted it done by, and I prayed a lot, and we had a whole bunch of other people praying a lot, and we were all praying a whole lot, and it didn't happen, and then all of a sudden we want to get mad at God. Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I think there's a scripture somewhere that I need to be able to rest and trust in the sovereignty of God even when things don't go the way I think they should. Amen? The Christian's concern should be sharing the hope that we have 
Because there are those that are in the darkness. And if we're walking in the light, we're not just arrogantly walking in the light, saying, oh, all of these foolish people who are just perishing. No, we should have great compassion as people who are in the light to want to reach down to those who are in the darkness because we too once were in darkness. Amen? If you are a Christian, you were once in darkness. You didn't come into this thing shiny and new because your name ain't Jesus. You didn't come into this thing sinless. You came into this thing in a world that, you, by nature, Scripture says we are children of wrath. So we've got this sin issue. You don't have to teach a child to, to, to lie or to be selfish. That kind of comes pre-programmed. <laughs> you don't have to go, here's lying lesson 101. <laughs> you don't have to say, here's how to be selfish, little baby. Nope, they're pretty good at it on their own. <laughs> they need a new nature. They need to be saved. And the only one who can do that is not, you know, this idea of trying to teach them and, 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 and instill in them morality, although that's good. What's going to save them is faith in Christ alone. It is Christ alone. It's not Christ plus all these other things. It's Christ alone. And then when I'm in Christ and he's in me, I'm walking in the light and now I'm learning this new perspective. I'm gaining perspective. I'm learning how to live in light of eternity. I'm learning how to walk in the light so I can please and glorify God and honor him. And actually, it's better for me. But people in the darkness look at people walking in the light and they go, man, you used to be this person. You used to go out and do this. You used to do this. And, you're, and they don't understand. You try to explain. I'm walking in the light now. And they just don't get it. Because light and darkness, they don't have fellowship with each other in that way where there's going to be this understanding. No, I'm, I'm trying to reach you. I'm trying to love you where you're at, but I know you're still in darkness, but it's caused us to live differently regardless of who understands and who doesn't. Because our aim is not to be accepted and pleased, uh, uh, pleasing and, and welcoming to the world. Our aim and our goal is to please God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him for he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11:6. And we have to make sure that we're doing that and walking in faith. Amen, church? All right, let's, uh, let's keep on reading um, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 7. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. So here's what John's saying. He's saying, you knew this, and you're going to hear some of these things I'm going to say, and you're going to be like, I've heard this before, but almost like I'm hearing it for the first time. Have you ever had that experience, maybe where someone has taught you something or shared something in Scripture, or maybe you've read the Bible on your own, or maybe you've been at church even or in a small group with someone, and you're talking about spiritual matters, and you may be talking about different ideas in the Bible or maybe certain Scriptures, and someone says something you've heard before because you've been around long enough to have heard those things. But when you heard it, you were like, whoa, like, how did I miss this? And you feel like, this is the first time I've ever heard this. And, and, and even though you know it's not the first time you've ever heard it, it's like that alive to you. And it's like, I, I'm seeing something I'd never seen before. I just thought I knew John 3.16. Now when I read John 3.16, it's like, whoa, like I didn't even see, like God so loved the world. Like what? Oh man, how did I miss that before? And you feel like you're seeing it for the first time. Have you ever had a, an experience like that where you maybe had that encounter? That's kind of what... John is describing here. He's saying, I'm not giving you a new commandment. It's not like I've made this up and you're like, wow, John, you're really smart. He's saying, that's not it. I'm actually reiterating things to you that you heard. You just didn't hear it with new ears. 
You heard it with ears that maybe you were still in the darkness, or maybe you weren't quite mature enough to understand completely, but now you're hearing it a different way, and it's not me. It's the fact that you've got new ears. It's the fact that you're walking in the light now. And so now you're seeing it differently. So he says, beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you've heard. And the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and you. And here's why. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So you're, you're in this light. And now you're seeing things that you hadn't seen before. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. He said, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. He kind of goes through this rhythm here. Did you notice that? Did you see this kind of poetic rhythm that John writes with here? He says, I'm writing to you little children. And then he says, I'm writing to you fathers. And then he says, I'm writing to you young men. And then he repeats this order. I'm writing to you children. I write to you fathers. And I'm writing to you young men. And he gives them each different instruction. Now, there's a lot of different things that that could mean with that sequence. But here's what I personally believe and think. This is my opinion. You can toss it out and disagree with it, and we can still be friends, okay? Here's what I think for whatever that's worth. I think that what he's speaking to, based on the context of what we've just read, that he's talking about people who have just now come into the light, and he's dealing with different varying degrees of spiritual maturity. And that's what I think he's talking about. That's just me. And the reason I think that is because verse 12, I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. So that's like I'm just now beginning to understand my sins are forgiven. That's something that a child can understand. And so when I'm new in the faith, that may be all I understand is that my sins are forgiven. Praise God. I, I, my, the things that I, I've done are remembered no more. I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven in the eyes of God and I'm made new. But then he says, I'm writing to you fathers. So he's speaking to someone who is mature, who's actually discipling other people, who has a child. He's a father because you know him who's from the beginning. So remember that. And he's then speaking to young men because you have overcome the evil one. And he's trying to remind that young man, that one who's growing, they're not quite at that place of being an older, more mature follower, but they're still growing and still wrestling with temptations and things like that. He's saying, remember, your strength comes from the Lord. God abides in you. You've overcome the evil one. And so that's kind of what I think he's talking about there in that instance, because it helps us to remember who we are and the hope that we have in Christ, regardless of where our level of understanding may be. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. Now, these three things here, let's back up before we read verse 17. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, those are the three things 
that Eve encountered in the Garden of Eden. You can go all the way back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3 when Eve was tempted in the Garden of Eden. It was these three things that caused the fall of man, and it's still the same three things that you and I are tempted with today. This desire of our flesh, this desire of our eyes, and this pride of life, exalting our thoughts above God's thoughts and God's ways. And you can study that out if you'd like. Verse 17, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So to abide in Christ is to actually be set apart from the world. He says, don't love the world or the things in it. This isn't our aim. This isn't our goal to figure out how to just retire well and go on a bunch of vacations and buy a bunch of stuff that we can enjoy. That's not the goal. There's nothing wrong with doing those things, but that's not my aim. That's not where my hope is set. Because guess what? All of those things could be taken away in an instant. It could all just go away. I, I think it's great. I mean, it, that we can plan, we can prepare, we can try to be wise, and we should. This isn't some case sera sera type message where we just kind of uh, abandon and abdicate all of our responsibilities for the purpose of just simply letting whatever's going to happen in this world happen because I'm a Christian and I don't care. It's like, I'm not going to pay my bills because I'm living in light of eternity. No, no, no. That's, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm not going to have a job, and God's just going to provide for me, you know, because I'm a Christian, and I'm just going to la-da-da-da-da, whatever. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not trying to advocate your responsibilities as much as I'm trying to say, listen, we need to walk in light and we need to do everything we do is unto the Lord because there is a way to be an employee and be a God-honoring employee at a business. Amen? There's a way to be a God-honoring business owner. There's a way for you to walk in the light. You're living by a different set of standards, a different set of ethics and morals, and so you're doing things differently because guess what? When Joe gets the promotion at work and you get looked over even though you've been there twice as long as him and you think that you should have gotten it, you get mad at Joe. Okay, you have the reaction. What are you going to do next? If you're walking in the darkness, it's easy because everybody does it. I'm mad at Joe. I'm not going to talk to him. He's a jerk. He, shouldn't have de- he didn't deserve it. I deserved it. I've been here longer. He's a slacker. And I'm going to go around and talk to everybody that I can get around the office or around the plant to agree with me how much of a jerk Joe is. That's walking in darkness because everybody does that. You can do that and not be a Christian. And if you are a Christian and you do that, people won't know. People won't know. They won't be able to tell the difference. The difference is, if Joe gets the promotion and I don't, I'm walking in the light, I'm going to react differently. I still get upset. That's okay. Don't feel weird about getting upset about stuff, okay? It's what do you do next? Because you have emotions, and I don't want us to be the type of people that we flip off the emotional switch just because we're Christians and we let everybody just run over us like a doormat. That's not the way that God wants us to live. That doesn't honor God. That doesn't honor God either. Amen, church? But what do I do? Well, maybe I need to sit down and have a talk with my supervisor. Maybe there's a God-honoring way to do that in love. Or maybe I should treat Joe good and celebrate with him. That doesn't make sense. Uh, Maybe I should, you know, pray for Joe. And maybe I should try to look for a way to encourage him. Maybe I should just shut my mouth instead of becoming a part of the problem of creating a toxic work environment. Maybe I'm doing things that are, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And you know what? The things I'm doing are going to actually be laying up treasures in heaven. And actually that matters more. 
And maybe by the tone I set and the example I set, it may actually surprise someone that I didn't act. Aren't you upset that Joe got the promotion over you? Yeah, I was upset about it. But you know what? Uh, my hope is in Christ, and I'm going to pray for him and tell him he's, you know, I'm happy for him, and, and, uh, and, and I'm just going to live my life to please God. And it's tough for me. Yeah, I got to work through those emotions. Be real. Don't be fake. You don't have to be this plastic Christian person that's like, praise the Lord. So glad Joe got the job. No, that's, that's stupid. It is. And guess what? People are turned off from Christianity when we act that way, honestly, because we're not being real. I mean, yeah, I, I, I wish I would have got it. Yeah, I'm upset about it, but I'm going to react differently. I'm not going to run Joe's name through the mud. No, I'm not going to facilitate gossip. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm living differently. I'm walking in light. Are you seeing this, church? It's the same stuff. You know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. <laughs> those who are children of God and those who are not, you're both going to get wet if you stand outside when it's raining. It doesn't mean you're less spiritual or more spiritual. You're both going to get wet, right? The difference is, how am I going to respond when things don't go my way? Don't love this world and the things in it. Mm, I'm living with a different purpose in mind because no matter how old or young you are in the faith, you need to live confidently that you are indeed on the right path by focusing on Christ. It's easy to question whether or not this path is right because, man, the majority seems to be losing their minds or reacting all a certain way, and you may get ostracized because you're not reacting the way everyone else is reacting. That's tough. That's really tough. Oh, well, you just don't care like I care. And then we get prideful in our caring. We get prideful in, and arrogant in our helping. And we think we're doing good when, in fact, all we're doing is just joining in with darkness. But at the same time, man, it's, it's easy. It's easy to, for us to get caught up in this idea of, of, of being accepted by, by groups of people who, man, I don't want to be kicked out. And so I, I, but at the same time, when I live differently, I have to trust in God. And I just have to say, Lord, help me to do my best, as Romans 12 says, to live peaceably with all men as much as I can, Lord. There may come times where I have to, I have to draw harder lines than others, but I'm going to do my best to live peaceably. Man, that's hard. That's hard. I'll tell you guys this. That's been tough for me as a pastor. God, I've, I've, been, I've, I've been just, I've just been praying for other pastors and other churches um, throughout 2020. And I was hoping, you know, 2021, here we go. Let's turn the page and things get better. Oh, no. Um, hmm. uh, still going down that path. Okay. So I, I just look and I, and, and I tell you this, with all honesty and all sincerity, I have been faced with and maybe you're the same way, but I've been faced with, as a pastor, about every two to three weeks, making a decision that is lose-lose, because you're going to make somebody mad if you decide this or you decide that. And that's hard. That's a tough spot to be in. And it's okay. That's leadership. You're supposed to be in those situations, you know, and you have to do what you believe is right. But just, man, it felt like 2020 was like, here's another decision for you to make and another and another and another and another and another. And it can get exhausting. And you, you can want to just want to, you, you can just want to throw your hands up in the air and just go, you know what? Um, I, uh, I'm just going to do whatever everybody likes. Or you can say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in the light that I have and I'm going to do my best to whatever decision I have to make, no matter who it makes happy or who it upsets. I'm going to have to do it in a way where I know I'm doing it as under the Lord and pleasing the Lord. 
Oh, and that's not always popular. Oh, man, I love that you guys are amening. Because it's not always popular. It's not. And it stinks, man. It does. And you've been faced with some of those situations, too. And I know you have. And I know it's caused tension in your family. Um, is your family going to wear masks or no masks? Is your family going to do Christmas or no Christmas? Or uh, are we going to go see great grandma in you know, the nursing home? Or what, where are we gonna, how does that work? You know, can we go? You know, all, that's tough stuff, you guys. It's been hard. Your friends are doing this. Your friends are thinking this way. And, oh, your family's thinking this way. Oh, man, it's hard. But when I walk in the light, you see, the, the, here's, the, here's the great clarifier. And this is where our peace should come from. The great clarifier is not, am I going to make this group happy or this group happy or this group mad or this group mad? The clarifier is, what honors God best? That's it. And I know that's oversimplification there. But this world is passing away. I'm not supposed to just love this world in the sense of, I just want to celebrate the things the world celebrates and live in darkness. No, I'm in the light. I'm called to be set apart. Let's read the rest of 1 John chapter 2 and see what he says. Verse 18, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. But you've been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. He's basically saying here, church, that you have the Holy Spirit. And so when someone tries to lead you away into something that is against Christ, you should be able to tell and you should be able to continue to know what walking in the light looks like versus walking in darkness. And someone who is anti-Christ, it's going to be obvious. He said they went out from us because they weren't of us. They just, they were walking in the darkness, but they claimed to be someone who was walking in the light and they claimed to have light, but they didn't have light. So they're no longer with us. They're, they no longer walk with us. He said, and you should know that. Verse 21, I write to you not because you don't know the truth, but because actually you do know it. And because no lie is of the truth, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one denies the Son. Who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you, and if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise he made to us. What is a church? It's eternal life. He said, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. You should know. He said, if you have the light, you have this anointing, you, you should know. His anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. 
He's saying here, listen, I know that in these last days this stuff is ramping up. He says it's this last hour. This idea that I'm living in the light expecting Christ's return. That all of us should live in light of eternity expecting any day at any moment for Christ's return. It is imminent. And it was true in John's day and it's true in our day. And we're living in light of eternity and that means I need to walk in the light and I need to be living in a way that reflects I'm valuing eternity because Christ promised that I would spend eternity with him by placing my faith and trust in him and what he's done. And that helps me when this world wants me to get focused on these temporal things and these things that can get me all distraught, get knots all in my stomach, make me lose sleep, make me angry. I can reset my hope. Wait a minute. That's right. I have a different perspective. Wait a minute. That's right. I'm called to walk in the light. Wait a minute. That's right. Christ alone is my hope. And here's your bottom line this week. Hope in Christ holds fast to living in light of eternity. Hope in Christ holds fast to living in light of eternity. I'm, I'm, I've got this, this grip that's just amazing on living in light of eternity. I want to hold on to it because, man, the world wants me to, wants me to just be swayed over to thinking back in darkness and, and thinking the way that I thought before I came to Christ. And, oh, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, oh, it just leads to destruction. It just leads to destruction. Oh, God, help me to stay in the light as you are in the light and stay focused on the light. And maybe you're the person who you've been really afraid and anxious over what's happening in our world. Maybe you're the person who's been really angry over what's happening in our world. Maybe you're the person who has just been dealing with all sorts of thoughts and all sorts of issues based on the stuff that's happening in our world that you have little to no control over. And maybe you've prayed, maybe you've done your part, maybe you've done what you thought you could do, and things still may not be going the direction you had hoped. What are you going to do? What's your next move? As a Christian, hope in Christ is going to hold fast. That's right, I need to live in the light. And how I do that is I reset my hope. That's right, Lord, I need that reminder for Christ to be my cornerstone, for him to be my rock, for me to live in light of eternity, storing up treasures in heaven. That's what I'm doing, not just living for my own comfort not just trying to fix the world because it's not the Christian's job to simply try to go out and fix the world. It's the Christian's job to live in light of eternity and help bring along as many people who are still in darkness along with us. That's the more important thing, is that I am doing whatever I'm doing to bring those who are in darkness to the light of Jesus, to help them to see their need for Jesus, for them to find a Savior because the things in this world will affect our emotions, but the things in this world should not affect our hope. How much and how you react matters. How you respond to things that happen matters. In 2020, we had increasing anger over racial injustice. How should the Christian respond? Here's how the Christian should respond. You ready for this? Preach Jesus as the hope for eternity and as a path to walking in true light so that we can love God, pray for those who are causing harm, seek unity, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the Christian response. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. 
point people to Jesus. Because the base problem with racial issues in our country is hatred, and hatred is not going to be resolved by any other means other than Jesus. Because it's not a mindset change, it's a heart change. It starts at the heart level. And for hearts to be changed, I only know one who can do that. Amen? The pandemic hits. We know words we didn't even know before. (laughs) Social distancing. (laughs) Pandemic. We can all spell coronavirus now because we've texted it so many times. We've even nicknamed it the Rona. (laughs) Don't come in my house. You got the Rona. It's a joke now when someone sneezes or coughs. Achoo. Oh, no, don't be spreading the Rona. My goodness, it, I mean, but it's such a serious thing. It's a terrible thing. What, what, what on earth? Who could have seen that coming? God knew it was coming. He wasn't like, oh no, coronavirus. So how does the Christian respond? How do we respond to the coronavirus? Well, here's, here's my answer. Preach Jesus as the hope for eternity and for today. We have a tense election season. Oh no. What's going to happen? The country is going to go this direction or that direction based on the outcome. All of our futures hinge on this. What are we going to do? Ah! Well, here's how the Christian responds. Preach Jesus as the hope for eternity and for today because what party has what majority or who sits in the White House does not change where my hope is. It may change things I like and don't like and it may affect me personally and it may affect my emotions. But it doesn't affect my hope. It doesn't change my mission. It doesn't change my purpose. It may change my comfort. It may change the things that I think are right or are just. But it, it doesn't change my hope. Are you, you seeing the difference? And, and so it's not a case or just whatever happens. No, no. It's walking in the light. Still, I can still try to do the things I'm supposed to do. I should still love my neighbor as myself. I should still, you know, try to help those who are hurting and still minister to them to bring them into the light. I can still be involved. I'm just not going to react and respond the same way everybody else does because I've got a different hope. If your hope's not in Jesus, if your hope's in other things, man, when those other things don't go your way, your world's going to get topsy-turvy. But when your hope is in Jesus, he's the solid rock and he doesn't change. Psalm 121, verse 1 through 8 says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not sleep or slumber. You can go to the next one. I read it. I memorized it. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Are you hearing this, church? The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Write that down. Will you write down Psalm 121, 1 through 8? And if you are struggling right now, read that over and over again and let the peace of God wash over you. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Mm so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
you may abound in what? Help me out. In hope. I want to abound in hope. I want to have so much hope, it's just abounding. I want the hope that I have to be contagious. I want other people to catch the hope that I have because the God of hope has filled me with all joy and peace. My rock is Jesus. I will not be moved. I look to the hills. Where's my help coming from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen, church? Hope in Christ holds fast to living in light of eternity. I want to hold on. I want to hold fast to it because I'm hoping in Jesus. Hope in Christ holds fast to living in light of eternity. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to share your truth with our church family, with those watching online, with those who are out in our commons area, with those who may have been walking in darkness. And I pray that today, Lord, that those who have been walking in darkness would have their eyes open to see the truth and to see the light and to love the light, the light of the fact that Christ is available. He's offering himself, come, you who are weary, you who are heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. Come, you have been burdened down with your own sins. Come, you who have been burdened down with the chains of your own past, come and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's welcoming you and I believe today he's asking you to come. Will you come to Jesus? Will you say yes to what his spirit is doing by stirring you and drawing you to himself? Will you respond by calling out on the name of the Lord and being saved? Will you respond by pursuing a life of obedience? Will you respond by trusting in him and in his will and not your will? Will you respond by resetting your hope and resetting your affections on Christ alone? Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself to people in this moment and may it affect them today and here on out. And most important of all, may it affect their eternity and the things that they live for and the things that they pursue and the things that they delight in. May we all be changed by the power of your word and your spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.